Hey, hey, Cameron, are we back yet? People keep asking if we're back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking we're back. But aren't we only, like, kind of back? Uh, yeah, I, I guess so. We're only kind of back. Hello and welcome back, everyone, to Region Unlocked, now officially in Season 4. My name's Cameron. And hey, everyone, I'm Jake. Hey, Jake. Hey, Cameron. How's it going? Oh, it's going all right. It's good to hear from you again. We've uh, we, we, we've, we've just gotten back, haven't we? <laughs> kind of. So uh, to explain things a little bit, <laughs> we've been on this break, right? You know, you haven't heard from us in forever. And we are trying to make a bunch of episodes this summer before we start posting again. We have been busy. And we have only made a few this whole time. Uh, Jake with... You've been making some changes with your job that's kind of screwed up your weekend time. I was just in Scotland last week. So we haven't even seen each other on camera in a couple weeks now. So Mm. all that to say is we wanted to create a a summer recap episode for you just so we can, you know, engage with you again. And uh, (laughs) won't promise that there was a new episode. No, I I won't promise. Uh, I'm all tongue-tied. It's been a while. It's all good. Been off mic yeah. for a while. There will not be a new episode next week. So we're still trying to bank a few more episodes, and we're going to try to be back by the end of August is our plan. All right? But now you just get this fun one-off, technically the first episode of season four. I actually don't remember what we say in the next episode, if we call that the first episode or not, because <laughs> it's been a long time. So anyway, let's get into it. Yeah, Welcome let's back. do it. Jake. Tell me things. Well, I'd say the first thing about uh, waiting a long time to do episodes is it does give us a lot to talk about, and that usually carry over or carries over into a couple episodes, which this is actually a good thing. I so, so. Um, yeah, uh, like you said earlier, there's been some wonky changes with my job. Not bad wonky, good wonky, but uh, essentially my weekends are changing up, and it's not going to be consistent for a little while. But until then, we're just going to have to make do. However, that just kind of adds to the adventure i guess my summer has not really been a summer vacation uh yeah we don't have those there yeah not in the same way that we did in the states but a lot of stuff has been happening um first off it gets really really humid here i might have already uh talked about that but like it's unbearably so even compared to the midwest and i know that's not saying much to some people but uh (laughs) it's it's a lot for me Um, yeah my my apartment's not super insulated, so I have to keep the AC running uh, nonstop. But mm. that's been a lot of fun. I've had to stay extra hydrated, and I've been definitely feeling that. But uh, anyway, I've been playing some not necessarily new games, but I've been trying to beat some of the older games that I started and never really finished. Uh, so I'm going to be talking about those here in just a second. Cameron, do you want to guess what they are? Putting you on the o- spot. Old games? <laughs> No, not old games, just games that I have should have that I should have finished. I know that doesn't really narrow down the list very much. Uh, Mass Effect. Unfortunately, no. Oh, <laughs> but that reminds me, I need to start finishing that one. Resident Evil Eight. Yes, that's one of them. Have you finished it? I did. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So we can definitely uh, talk about that. Oh, and one thing before I forget about this, I'm not sure if we talked about this yet or not, but did you know the little. V I L L. Actually, it looks like an eight. V I I I. Yes, that's very clear. That's yeah. why those are highlighted. Exactly. So, like, oh my gosh, Resident Evil Eight. Anyway, I, I noticed that <laughs> for some reason that, that was at the back of my mind, and I just had to explain that to everyone who's now extremely interested in it. I know, <clears throat> but anyway, <laughs> I beat that one and uh, Resident Evil Three, which again we can talk about. Okay. Um, and I've also been catching up on Stranger Things. I did beat, or not beat, I did uh, finish the final season, but uh, I started rewatching the whole thing again. Oh, you did? So, yep. I've been on definitely a kick of, uh, I guess, gory type zombie uh, entertainment in the past yeah, week or so. I guess so. <laughs> I actually just watched 
on the plane the new resident evil movie uh welcome to raccoon city oh and it's interesting uh for one it was awesome that our plane it normally has like super censored movies this was not <laughs> this was the the normal r-rated version it didn't get the the best reviews it is very okay but i liked it i thought it was decently cast and it's interesting because this is the first resident evil movie that actually follows the games with obviously some liberties taken because it kind of follows the first and second at the same time but it's not like uh, the original movies which follows alice and then just borrows elements from the games in kind of no particular order so i thought this was cool especially after playing the two remake and it making more sense um seeing those characters i thought uh, it wasn't bad so if you can watch it for free Mm -hmm. on a plane uh do it i guess cool i'm gonna have to keep that in mind then (laughs) awesome awesome gaming wise i've not done anything except um i was looking for a decent game to play while traveling and ubisoft is having a sale so i bought that mario plus rabbits kingdom battle that's been out for a long time it was on sale for 10 bucks and uh it's it's interesting it's a like tactics game where you're just controlling three teammates around a board attacking rabbits and it's silly it's cute but it it just doesn't have legs i guess to where i want Hmm. to keep playing oh i I feel like i'm like halfway through and i'm just done like i just don't care anymore whatsoever gotcha so i wonder how other people have thought about that i know it's gotten decent reviews and there's a sequel coming out soon but uh, i'm done Hmm. all right then oh noted I, i won't get that one all right So, uh, let's actually get into the main conversation first, and then we've got some. Well, we've got some other stuff we'll talk about at the end, non-gaming related. I'll, I'll talk about Scotland because um, I've not talked to Jake since I've been back. Well, but, see, uh, I, I want to hear all about that. Like, just <laughs> that's, well, that's going to take the up a whole episode. That's at the <laughs> okay. end. So, okay. uh, we wanted to just a quick. Well, I don't know how quick, but a recap of this summer in terms of game announcements, because this summer was very significant in that it was the first without an E3, Mm. the year without an E3. And we were just is very concerning as to how that would go and what we would hear. I figured that each company would still offer a digital equivalent of what they would have shown at E3, but that wasn't the case. Nintendo, Mm. where are you? We've got nothing from Nintendo whatsoever, except for some like third-party announcements, but no first-party, and it's kind of making me angry because, sure, they don't owe us anything, but it's expected, right? And E3 has always <laughs> forced them to put out a Nintendo Direct, and the lack of news this year is just compiling on the fact that they haven't had big news multiple years in a row now. And Mm. other than like Pokemon, which is coming out in November or so, which is more or less the same game as always. So it's hard to get super excited for a new Pokemon. And in my opinion, they gave us nothing, (laughs) nothing, Jake. Oh, Nintendo. More like Nintendo. Yeah. Bring Genesis back. Goodness gravy. It does what Nintendo. Ah, ha, ha, ha. I see what you did there. (laughs) <laughs> that, that was a good link to the past. Oh! <laughs> oh my goodness. Right. So um, let's run through just some of the stuff that was announced, stuff that we want to talk about, and um, yeah, go from there. So what cool. What do you want to talk about, Jake? Uh, first thing I want to talk about, because it's probably the most uh, interesting one on my list, and it's one I've been following, is uh, the new Last of Us 1 remake for mm-hmm. the PS5. Um, so this one is causing a lot of conversation, I'll say. Uh, obviously, a lot of people are really excited about it, but there's also been some controversy about yeah. like why this game should be coming out in the first place. Because what's going on is uh, Naughty Dog is remaking the entire first game from scratch um, with the new engine for The mm-hmm. Last of Us 2 for the PlayStation 5 exclusively. And 
Let me tell you, it looks gorgeous. Yes. I'm obviously going to be sweeping this game right up. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people are talking about why do we need to be buying this? And why does this game need to be re-released? It's already good enough as it was. And that's a whole conversation that's been had many, many times over in the game world and in the movie world, the entertainment world in general. Yeah. Should you remake something that's already perfect? But I guess we can argue about that here in a second. It's a, it's a gorgeous game, and I've been watching some trailers on it and some uh, director commentary. And I think personally, this game needs to happen again. Although the $70 price tag is a bit much. Okay, all right. That's one of the things that people have been talking about is like, okay, we've already bought this game and it's like 70 bucks for the gold edition or whatever, or maybe even right. more, I forget. But yeah, that's where we're at right now. And Cameron, what are your opinions about this game coming out again? So I am excited because like you said, it looks incredible. I was impressed because it already looked good. I couldn't believe that this was originally a PS3 game and then mm -hmm. remastered on PS4. But this looks significantly better. And watching the director's commentaries and, and things like that, showing the improvements that they have made of tweaking the AI and the accessibility features they've added, it just it really seems like a brand new game mm. and not quite just a recreation. But that being said, $70 for a game I've already played, even though they have put in this effort, I'm not paying mm. 70 for this game. I will wait. Maybe it'll be cheaper this Black Friday. I don't know. But no, Maybe. I will not pay for this when it comes out for a game I've already played. Yeah. The one point that I noticed through all the, this trailers and stuff is this really looks like we're, we're kind of hitting the stride a few years into the PS5 here now where they're really starting to figure out the next gen and, and what it's capable of and really mm. starting to improve on those games as compared to the things that came out that were just past gen games at higher frame rates, right? Mm. Yes. Now it, it's finally like, okay, here's what this powerful console can start doing. And yeah. I'm excited for that. And what is going to follow because of that? Yeah. Hmm. I totally agree. This is uh, th this is a new, um, a fresh perspective on something that we're already familiar with and something that could also kind of regenerate interest in a couple of things. I'm going to talk about that here in just a second. But I personally feel like, at least for me, being a super, super big fan of this game, it's it's time to replay it with right. a new perspective. And I'm ready to because I've not replayed that game in a very long time. I've only replayed like certain chunks just to get uh, new trophies. Yeah. So like being able to replay it again will just look really, really nice. Also, I think this new release will um, it'll introduce a whole new generation or maybe a whole new, I guess, like general population of players to this game, to, to the mm -hmm. story, so that they can see this with a fresh lens, you know, to see truly how good the story is and really get them into the whole world because of the new series that's coming out. Yeah. Yeah, I think this game will really help garner interest in that series, which is the most expensive TV series, I believe, made in the history of Canada. <laughs> oh, really? Something like that. But it's it's pretty high budget, so... Yeah, I guess they do come out around the same time. It doesn't yeah. look like there's an official date. It just says late 2022 for the mm. TV series. Hmm. I wonder if there's some kind of uh, coincidence there. Yeah. Very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's going to happen. I'm really excited about it. I've not bought it yet because there's no need to. Like, <laughs> it's it's not like I'm going to you know put my order in early so I can guarantee myself a copy as as it was like in the days of yore back pre you know 2013 before the outbreak i'm just joking um <laughs> no anyway uh yeah i'm just gonna wait until it comes out because i'll be able to get it then and not have to worry about blowing 70 dollars on something that i can't play for a whole year that's, that's true seemingly that's true yeah i'm excited just not paying full price <laughs> so probably one of the biggest standout games that people wanted to hear about was starfield from bethesda and microsoft 
Mm. And did you watch anything of this announcement, the gameplay? Starfield? Uh, no. I've, I've heard about it. I didn't watch any videos, though. I saw the announcement, though. Man, great A gaming podcast bringing you the news from people who are informed right here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, so Starfield, basically, what it's looking like is a, a space game that's like a hybrid of Fallout and No Man's Sky, where you're exploring, gathering resources, while also, you know, following kind of the Bethesda formula. And Jake is frozen. Oh, great. <laughs> Way to freeze. Yes, that was all part of the plan. Speaking of which, I have not stopped recording. Perfect. All right. Yeah. Uh, so we'll get, get right back into it. Starfield is it's basically a hybrid of Fallout and No Man's Sky, all while following kind of the Bethesda formula of RPGs, essentially. Personally, I was not impressed by anything I saw, but I'm also done with fallout games i'm done with open world basically if it's not something i'm super 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 excited about i'm I'm probably not going to play an open world game anymore just because hmm. i don't want to commit to it but i see some people are complaining they're like this is just no man's sky and <laughs> other people are like well this is exactly what i want i want more games like no man's sky because it's it's pretty uh, innovative. One thing that really stood out to me watching this gameplay is that after all these years, they're still using like this same engine from all of their Bethesda games, you know, just with like new <laughs> polish on it over and over again to where characters, their faces look still so uh, expressionless, like blank. Ex- you know how Bethesda <laughs> just- faces look, right? follow you with that blank stare as you move around yeah and it just zooms in on their face when you start talking exactly it looks odd (laughs) and i couldn't believe that in this generation they still look like that they just have like spit shine on them you know (laughs) bethesda just got tired of uh porting skyrim to every single console and they're just like hmm we need to keep using the same formula but just put a different wrapping paper on it that's what we'll do (laughs) yep pretty much yeah, sure. So but. I'm sure some people are crazy excited for this game. I do not care whatsoever. I will not be playing <laughs> it. You know, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how this um, style continues on in the future. I think it's got a lot of potential because No Man's Sky was a very ambitious project. And like, yeah, it was received horribly. But ever since then, the game has just gotten really, really good. No Man's Sky has become quite a good game by modern standards mm-hmm. because of all the updates and what they've been doing to it. But it's been marred by that initial review, so it's not going to really recover from that. So we don't really know if this style of game, this open world space type thing, is going to you know, be good or not. I mean, this could be a real yeah. way to showcase what it's capable of but again like if you were really impressed seeing it uh, that's not that's not too positive for me at at least so true but i mm. mean i went into it knowing i wasn't gonna play this but anyway (laughs) that's starfield the biggest announcement which was super disappointing because (laughs) you know on uh, on xbox live you can follow people instead of like sending friend requests you can just straight up follow someone track their achievements Mm -hmm. track what they're playing And so a lot of people track Phil Spencer, the president of Xbox, and what Mm -hmm. he's playing. And like a week before this event, he played Banjo-Kazooie up just to the first (laughs) jiggy. No idea why. Like that seems really random. Why just to the first jiggy? And so there's all this speculation that like, oh man, they're going to announce a Banjo-Kazooie remake or a sequel. And this is him teasing us or giving us a hint. And so, of course, I went into that conference with my hopes way too high, and they were dashed because there was no banjo. Oh, I saw that too. But we never know. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someday. I, don't, I just can't believe they've just sat on that franchise and done mm. nothing with it. But, yeah, alas. I know. 
maybe that's just a subtle, subtle hint that the game is somewhere on the drawing board and the team is just about to pick up that second Sharpie, not Sharpie, Expo marker to, <laughs> to continue it. Maybe, maybe. Stray. Oh, new, yeah. Yeah, that new cat game that's taking things now. in. Yes, exactly. It's quite popular. People are talking about it for sure. And I've been watching some videos on it and doing a little bit of research and it looks pretty cool. But basically what this game is, is uh, it's on PlayStation and it is a, I guess in so many words, a cat simulator. Um, cat adventure. You play a cat adventure, uh, kind of like, but you, you get to play as this cat. And what makes it so cool is it's got all the mannerisms of a cat. And it's just, it's, it's kind of a realistic game. It's not like just a goofy cartoony game, which makes it really cool. But um, it is an adventure game and it's very um, artistic looking in a way. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is it kind of reminds me of Journey. Have you ever played that game, Cameron? No. Um, it uh, came out a little while ago, but it got a lot of awards. And it, it, the, the big thing about Journey was the adventure was very clear and very kind of artistic, but you never knew what was happening. Like, you never knew the backstory. It was only told through, like, very subtle hints of the graphics and, like, just pic pictograms on the walls of that you could just... That, that just hinted about the history of what was going on, but you never actually knew for sure what was going mm -hmm. on. It had that... Um, kind of open-ended vibe and this sure. game feels that way except uh you're uncovering the truth of what happened to humanity because as you're playing through this world as a cat uh, you encounter all of these um, robotic characters they're, they're humanoid but they're made of like old electronic parts that are just kind of put together to make a human shape and that's the hmm. population that lives in this world aside from these cats and these other smaller creatures that are kind of you know, not not realistic in a way. <laughs> sure. They're kind of alien. Okay. But um, yeah, th this game is uh, the the whole story is told through sounds. Obviously, the sounds that cats make, uh, and yeah. this made up <laughs> exactly the meows, and this made up uh, language that the robots speak. Okay. And there's no like comprehensible spelling anywhere it's all again like kind of an alien language and the music is also very uh, cinematic in that it kind of reflects what's going on, on screen so that like if something dramatic is happening it'll build up dramatically and that's how the story is told kind of in an interpretive fashion almost but people are loving this game and they're talking a lot about it yeah and have you seen videos for it I've seen a lot of videos of people playing it while their cats sit and watch because <laughs> the cat is so realistic looking. Yeah, it is. It's kind of cool. And, you know, I think that's why people like this game so much because, you know, what audiences connect with things that are familiar, right? Mm -hmm. If you're playing as a cat, that's familiar. It's not like some alien. It's not something from another world that was made by another artist. It's something that we're already familiar with. So... And that right there, you can make relatable videos about it with your cat reacting. <laughs> well, it's just, it's cool to see us starting to realistically recreate things other than human now and be able to ah. play as them. Because, you know, there's not a lot of games where you play as an animal. And for one to be so authentically recreated is That's, new. Yeah. That's so true. Like, there's plenty of games where you play as, like, creatures, artistically, rent, you know, thought of thought up creatures, but not, like, actual animals designed to look and sound and feel like actual animals in real life. Right. Ah, that's a good point. Other than Frogger, of course. Oh, other than Frogger, that's, the, that's a perfect, <laughs> very concise retelling of what it's like to live the life of a frog. Yep. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> But that's pretty cool. Um, I might check this game out, to be honest. It might be one of my next titles that I try. Another standout for me was, and currently is, the announcement of Junker Queen for Overwatch 2, which is currently in beta right now that I, I didn't get in on this beta. I'm just, I am so... 
kind of concerned and interested into where Overwatch 2 is going. It it officially comes out in October, the multiplayer component. And Okay. It's I have to be invested because, you know, I coach coach in quotes cuz I I just, you know, <laughs> sit and supervise cuz I, I don't know how to coach a video game. Uh, but the Overwatch team at our school for one, it's like, how's that going to affect our season when the game changes to a different game in October, but we start in September. So I don't, I haven't seen any posting yet about how we're going to deal with that. But I just, I feel like the changes they have made for Overwatch 2, it's just too late. They let the game sit for so hmm. long, so long where these changes could have been incrementally made to the actual game, especially because you don't even have to buy Overwatch 2. Overwatch just becomes Overwatch 2 in October. And the development cycle's been so long that they're like, okay, we're separating the uh, campaign component from the multiplayer so we can put the Mm. multiplayer out now. And I just think it's so weird because so many people quit the game because it's been inactive, essentially, for years now. And... Mm. You know, I was one of them. The only one, the only thing keeping me tied to Overwatch is the league at school. And if it wasn't, I wouldn't be paying attention to that any at all because I've been done with it for years. Hmm. And I think so many casual people, that has been the case. And this Overwatch 2 just does not seem like enough to bring people back. Hmm. It also, the change. some changes are just, they feel odd. To where, you know, dropping it from 6v6 to 5v5 with only one tank and and drastically changing how some characters play, while good, it's almost overwhelming. Hmm. Because, again, it would have been nicer if it was incremental over the years instead of dropping it all at once. But I feel like Blizzard, for some reason, has just so heavily focused on the competitive scene of this game that they're starting to alienate the casuals. Mm. And most of their decisions, you know, are based off of the metas that the pros are exploiting. Hmm. Not okay. us. And I see. That kind of drives me crazy. Like one of the biggest changes they made is, you know, roll lock, where you have to queue for a a round as either a tank, a damage, or a support, instead of filling the rolls as needed, which is what it used to be. But uh the meta got exploited where they started rolling, uh, it was called the goat, goat something. I don't remember what it was actually called. <laughs> I think goat formation. I don't know, but basically they would roll with three tanks and three healers. And so just everyone was so spongy and it took forever to take each other down. It was such a turtle match, you know? Okay. And so they're like, Oh, well we can't have goats happening anymore. So we have to lock it into where you have to have two damage, have to have two healers, two tanks. And like, yeah, I get that competitively because it sucked to watch. Uh-huh. Um, but for us casuals, I hate it because I don't, I just like to fill where I'm needed. And so because of that, I, I only play in the arcade randoms or okay. mystery heroes. I, yeah. Mystery is all I play because I, it's got that, I don't know, it's just more fun and I hate roll lock, but uh, I feel like they've, you know, taken it further with dropping a tank, and <laughs> I don't know. It's all kind of a mess. I'm excited they're finally bringing in new content and characters, but I just, I don't think it's enough to save Overwatch. Hmm. Well, I guess time will tell. Overwatch is surprisingly popular over here, at least with my students. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of Japanese players of that game. <laughs> I wish we had more students <laughs> interested because we yeah. need more talent to draw from. Yes. I'm sure they'll appear. Maybe <laughs> maybe Overwatch 2 will surprise us. Yeah, it might. So I'm definitely <laughs> excited to see where it goes. But mm. uh, ranting aside, let's move on to probably the the most exciting news that I saw was all of the Resident Evil news. Uh, mm. First off being... We finally got a trailer for the Resident Evil 4 remake. Mm. And everyone was, you know, very cautious about this because, sure, the remakes of 2 and 3 were incredible. They're beautiful. But 4, you know, 4 is a is a masterpiece of game yes. design. And 
we're like, how how can you recreate it? How can you make it more different? But this trailer had me excited. It uh, <laughs> graphically looks much darker, much more sinister. It actually looks scary again. And that's one thing I'm, I'm very excited about because I haven't been scared of this game since I was in sixth grade. Mm. And I want to be. Would you say it was something that might interest you? Oh, <laughs> thank you. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> I did see that as well. It looks really good. And uh, it looks like they're, you know, because they did tweak some story components from the two and three remakes that they're mm. going to be adding in some story changes into this as well. So I do like mm. that, you know, make it unique. Don't follow the exact same thing. But yeah. It looks like they're going to try to tie it more to village. Resident Evil 8 Village, that's really cool because aesthetically they're very similar. And as you finished Resident Evil Village, Mm -hmm. you find out some interesting lore at the end about the origins of Resident Evil. And so (laughs) now that we have kind of that picture of how Village affects the whole series, Mm -hmm. now we can see a more focused way of how it is affecting 4 is really exciting. Yeah, for sure. It's amazing, like, how that umbrella logo just kind of appears everywhere. Uh-huh. And originally, it, uh, it's almost like it wasn't even an umbrella logo initially. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll talk. We'll do a, a Village episode here <laughs> soon. Speaking of Village, they've finally announced DLC for it. And mm. this is going to be interesting because that story is pretty final you know when you beat village not not to be too spoilery for people because you still need to play this game if you haven't this dlc follows a character that doesn't exist until the very end of the game Mm. and it's definitely some years in the future i don't know how many yeah it looks very interesting i wonder how heavy they're going to lean into the spookiness versus just you know standard combat it looks like it's leaning into spooky Yes. Because it seems to all be happening in your head or like in some sort of other realm. Hmm. Did you watch this trailer? No, I didn't, but I'm getting really interested. (laughs) So, this this seems cool. Look it up after this, but you play as the girl that you see at the end of the game. Okay. But it's, it's third person. Okay. Not first person. So, I'm interested in that because i feel like that will make it less scary to be uh, the third person mm, mm. it'll be interesting to see how they play around with that for sure hopefully yeah. they listen to criticisms of the last game on spooky factor and what should have come first and what they should have focused more on maybe they'll play that into there somehow because yeah. i really hope they do continue on with the whole spooky thing mm-hmm. <laughs> but maybe it'll be like re4 like combat style yeah i yeah we'll see but one thing that is cool because they didn't have to do this but they made they're also making the entire normal campaign in third person as well it's just Mm. you just get that alongside of it and so i think that'll be an interesting way to replay it being Hmm. much more spatially aware but again how is that going to affect the horror how is that going to affect cutscenes? And especially, I'd say like the first quarter of that game is very brutal to Ethan's hands, Mm. right? Because that's all you see. Uh, So it's how it shows damage and things like that. So how do those elements, how do those appear in third person? Mm. How's his face going to appear too? It's just kind (laughs) of shadowed out. Yeah. You're not supposed to see what he looks like apparently. Yeah. (laughs) Hmm. So yeah, we'll just have to see. Or yeah, in this case, not cool. see, but um. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about it for okay. games. And that, oh, and that that comes out like October twenty eighth, I think. So right before Halloween. Cool beans. Sounds good to me. Yeah, I'll happily replay that one. That was a good one. I enjoyed it. Good. I'm excited to do a full episode about it. Dive oh, into yeah. the details. We can always talk about the dialogue too, and. How regardless of how good the game is, the dialogue never really gets any better, does it? In a Resident Evil game. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> so exactly good. what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway. So 
there you go. A uh, kind of disappointing summer, really. Hopefully, <laughs> E3 comes back with force next year and forces Nintendo to tell us something. But yeah, uh, that'd be nice. Always, always something good to be playing. Let's go ahead and move on and talk about some non-gaming things. Jake wanted to hear about my trip to to Scotland. Hopefully you guys want to hear some things as well. Uh, But first, I wanted to ask you a a more sensitive topic Mm. that I've not heard anything about um, from you. And that is the assassination that happened in Japan. Oh, of Prime Minister... Jeans yeah, how was that? How has the climate been? Uh, it's been kind of tense. There was a lot of emotions running around. You could just tell by talking from or just just by talking to people that it was it kind of just made a very somber tone. And like not necessarily because I felt like many people were super attached to him, but just because like the whole idea of hey, like this happened in Japan and that's right. that's shocking. Mhm. Uh no one expected that at all and he was a popular guy for sure he did a lot of positive things for japan and a lot of people felt sad i mean even i felt sad a lot of us foreigners got together and we talked a lot about it and you know even with my japanese friends and we it just it, there there was a melancholy tone for a while and it was in the papers for uh, a decent amount of time and in fact there's still a couple of circulars that are still talking about it right now i know that yeah. But yeah, that's extreme. That's not something that, uh, you know, we've really experienced in our lifetime of prominent public figures assassinated like that. And no, uh, it, I guess to, to clarify for those who don't quite know what we're talking about, that was what the, f- the former prime minister, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. He was, he was the one that, uh, took a hold of everything during the whole, uh, coronavirus okay. ordeal, but yeah, former prime minister, uh, Japan's longest serving prime minister in its history. Wow. Yeah, and I got news of that almost real time. And the weird thing is, I was or my my uh, um, coworker and I were interviewing a potential candidate for our company, and yeah. as they were filling out paperwork on Skype, we both got the news on our phone. We just kind of like showed everyone around the office, and you could tell everyone just was like looking around when it happened. Um, hmm. like they, they stopped their work and they just like, were looking around just checking to see if everyone had seen it. And it was, it was kind of a melancholy, very strange atmosphere for sure. But yeah. Yeah. That's awful. Japan's still getting over that. All right. Well, I guess let's shift gears. <laughs> yes. Let's shift gears to a more happy tone, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Where to start? So my wife, Lindsay and I. We just got back from our trip to the UK. We went to Scotland, London, and Ireland, and a few other places while we were there. So this was an interesting trip. We spent about half the time in Edinburgh, which Mm. is Scotland. And this was my favorite part. Edinburgh is a beautiful city that all kind of surrounds this big old castle up on a hill. So we've got this cliffside castle, the whole city around it, and it's very walking friendly. So you <laughs> can you can walk everywhere here and not have to worry too much about public transportation. And it was just beautiful. Old cathedrals and castles and stone and, and brick streets. It was just a very pleasant place to be and clean-ish for the most part. <laughs> okay. I was actually surprised in Europe just how dirty the streets get hmm. where the weekends are just packed with people and they just litter everywhere and public drinking is allowed there. So people are just walking around with alcohol and throwing their bottles on the ground when they're done. Hmm. And so, yeah, I was pretty disgusted with Dublin actually with how filthy those streets were. Hmm. Um, <laughs> wow. So, so Yeah. But uh, also in Scotland, we saw Loch Lomond, took a a little boat trip around Loch Lomond, uh, and then eventually went to Loch Ness as well. 
and did not see Nessie. We looked so hard, but Nessie was not For our there. underwater ally. To, yeah. <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, so Loch Ness. Loch Ness is huge. It's like skinny, but really long. So there's a lot of it. You're not going to see much of it when you go there just because there's too much. And honestly, I would not recommend going to Loch Ness because you're not going to see anything. It's just, you know, it's like, oh, I'm in Scotland. It's so it's famous. I need to go to Loch Ness. It was (laughs) such a long drive and we saw nothing. It wasn't as pretty as Loch Lomond. (laughs) And I so I would just recommend don't go. If you're ever in Scotland, don't take the trip. It's just a waste of a day. But, oh boy um, what else happened there I went to a, a used game shop put pictures on our Instagram of I saw like a copy of Ocarina of Time and Resident Evil 4 that had different cover art which was pretty cool and there actually wasn't many European games that had different art so I was surprised that those did hmm. and I'm kicking myself because I, I should have just bought them because they were actually pretty <laughs> cheap Okay, and we were there on like one of our first days. So I thought, no, I'm not going to blow money right now. Who knows what I'm going to need to buy later. <laughs> There's no point. Then later I was like, ah, I should have bought those, but I never had a chance to go back. <laughs> but we went to London. We, we got to see Big Ben, which was closed last time. Like it was covered in scaffolding. So it was mm. nice to see it um, in all of its clocky glory. I <laughs> honestly didn't care that much. It's a big clock. <laughs> a big clock that you'd been to before uh yes we had that been there stretch. uh yeah yeah but we we went back to harry potter studios for our anniversary it was our seventh anniversary while we were there and it was pretty interesting they had actually changed quite a bit like the whole entryway the lobby the the gift shop the restaurant that was there the layout was completely different. I was kind of blown away when we walked in. It was like, whoa, I don't recognize this at all. Hmm. Uh, most of the tour itself, though, was the same, except they have since added this huge, like, Gringotts display. Hmm. So okay. you go through the the bank, like the main hall, where it's got, like, the goblins on and their tellers uh, along the side, tall pillars, like, it was wonderful being in there big old chandelier and Hmm. so as you walk through there it then takes you into kind of like a vault area which is from uh the seventh movie where you know they're trying to get to bellatrix's vault maybe Mm -hmm. it's the eighth movie i don't remember (laughs) (laughs) but so it's got a lot of stuff about her vaults and uh how they pulled off the special effects of like the the duplicating treasure in her vault and stuff like that and then as you leave that area, you step out into another version of Gringotts that's been destroyed by that dragon Ooh. in the movie. And so it's all this rubble everywhere and this fog coming up. And then on the very back wall, you start seeing in all the haze, the dragons start to come through. And oh. he's looking around the room and roars and breathes fire and the whole place lights up. It felt like pretty real. I don't know how well you can see it on video or if it just looks like a video, you know, Uh like of a screen. But in person, with all the fog in the room and the way it blended into the screen, I couldn't quite tell if maybe the dragon was partially being like projected onto the fog to make it look more 3D or something. But it looked very 3D, very real. And so he pops out, lights up the room, and that, that was really cool very cool nice so that sounds cool yeah glad we got to see something new but other than that london was hot you know heat Hmm. wave going through the world right now we were in london on its hottest day ever recorded where it hit uh it was either like 102 or 104 it was disgusting and you know, us Americans, especially in the Midwest, with humidity as well, we're like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, summer gets hot. Yeah. No big deal. It It is a big deal because the UK climate is not used to that. Their infrastructure is not built for that. Only about 5% of residents 
have AC over there. Whoa. Yeah. While Jeez. it's, you know, over 90% that has it over here. So everyone was was miserable. There was uh, the subways, the, the tube, as you call it, mm-hmm. was shut down because even on a normal summer day, it's hot down underground. So Ooh. I can't imagine having gone down there. Trash bins were melting in the sun. Ooh. Roads were buckling. Like their infrastructure is not set up for that. So we were very happy to be in a little hotel with AC just pumped <laughs> to the max. Uh, our hotel was pretty cool. It was a... Yeah, it was basic, literally. It, it no. was. It was cold. But no, it was like these repurposed shipping containers. So oh. it was like this big wall of stacked shipping containers. And you go into yours and it's just like a long room. But it's all been tricked out and modernized inside. And... Hmm. It was cool. It was a cozy little place. That's awesome. Yeah. So from there, we went to Dublin, and we took a, a day trip where we went out to the Cliffs of Moher, hmm. which are just these giant, you know, five, six hundred foot tall cliffs up to the sea with big waves crashing. It is where you see Harry and Dumbledore in the Half-Blood Prince, where they teleport to ah. go get the locket. And they're out, there's like a cave. And mm-hmm. so what you see there, that's the Cliffs of Moor. Then we also went to Galway, which is just like a college city, I believe, up in, okay. I think we were north. I don't remember which direction we were. But anyway, so we just got to walk around that city, get some uh, drinks, some ice cream, and it was just cool. It's awesome. That was, that was about it. The main downside of this trip was... We wanted to do too much. We traveled around too much in too little time to where we weren't at any place too long before we had to move again. And I certainly did not want to drive over there. I'm not going to deal with trying to drive on the left side of the road. Hmm. So, you know, everything we did was on a tour bus through a company or something. Okay. So, all that to say is, you know, we, uh, we were on six different flights. We were on a four-hour train ride because hmm. we took a train from Edinburgh to London to, instead okay. of flying there. And we were on three all-day packed bus tours. Every flight hmm. we were on was packed. The train was packed. July is a terrible time to travel. It's the first time we've ever traveled in July. Normally, we're at the end of May, but hmm. our schedules just didn't work out that way this year. So... With all that public transportation and no masks, needless to say, I have COVID right now. But uh, oh my goodness, <laughs> it's mostly past. I'll take a test today, and I'm, I'm I might be negative at this point. I feel fine, mm. but <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Oh shoot, it was ridiculous. I'm glad you feel fine. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But actually, the biggest. <laughs> This this story I'm about to tell you is too long and too pointless, but here we go. <laughs> all the mess of this, of all these people traveling and, and flight delays and, and all this nonsense, we had a lot of trouble with our luggage, essentially, where we were, we were heading to Brownsburg because we were going to fly out of Indy because we didn't want to fly out of Chicago because it mm. sucks trying to get to Chicago and it sucks trying to get yeah. home from Chicago without, you know, leaving your car at the airport for hundreds of dollars. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to fly out of Indy. And as we're on our way there, Lindsay gets an email like, they just, oh, our flight just got delayed an hour. So if that's the case, we're going to miss our connection because we had to fly from Indy to Charlotte and then from Charlotte to Dublin. Mm. It's like, okay, well, now we're going to miss that connection to Dublin. So we have to get this changed. And so we get it changed to like a, a five o'clock flight that evening that's going to go to Dallas, connect in Dallas, and then go to Dublin. So we're going two hours the wrong way and then back. So as we're on our way, we decide, let's let's stop at TJ Maxx. Let's get a carry-on suitcase because I did have my big suitcase that we were going to check. And mm-hmm. so we're just going to redistribute all of our stuff and try to get everything in carry-on instead mm. because with all of these flight confusions, we're going to lose our stuff. It's just going to happen. Yeah. 
So we're in Indy, and the flight is so packed. Of course, we're the last boarding group, and American Airlines sucks at everything, I guess. <laughs> and they're like, oh, the flight's too full. You back boarding groups. You just have to check your bags. Like, there's no room in the overheads. It's like, okay, there's enough room for every person on that flight. That's, you know, how it's designed. Why uh-huh. are you letting so much stuff go up there? So we're furious, and so quickly while we're in line, I'm trying to move all of my electronics and, and stuff into my backpack since uh-huh. I'm gonna, we know we're going to lose the carry-on. The flight is a half hour late, and so we get up to the lady, and she's like, oh, you got to check that. And we're like, we're probably going to miss this connection to Dublin, and there's no way these bags are going to make it. And she's like, oh, it's fine. You're going to be like five minutes late. It's like, no, we're already a half hour late right now. What are you talking about? So she makes us check our bag. We land in Dallas and book it to our flight. And they're like holding the door for us. We're the last ones there. Uh-huh. And don't even check our stuff. They're just like, got your passport? Like, yep, here it is in my hand. They're like, all right, go. You're good. They let us in. We land in Dublin. Think our luggage is there? Well, you're wrong. It's not there. Oh, of course <laughs> so not. we go to the... The help desk people are like, hey, our luggage is gone. And they're like, yeah, join the freaking club. <laughs> oh, gosh. Because everyone's losing their luggage. And they're trying to be helpful. Because... You know, American Airlines doesn't go to Edinburgh, so they've mm. got no control there. So they're like, okay, we'll, we'll see what we can do. We get a call the next day. They're like, hey, we've got your stuff. We're putting it on a flight. It's going to Edinburgh, and Edinburgh is going to deliver it to your hotel there. Mm. Like, yay, wonderful. We're getting our stuff wow. back. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, th- this was kind of fun. When we were in Dublin that night, you know, with most of our clothes gone, mm-hmm. we thought, Let's we'll go to H and M and try to replace a few things. And so we're in the cab on the way there. Like we're just making conversation. He asks what we're doing. We said I lost our stuff. Going to H and M. He says, "Oh no, you don't want to go there. <laughs> um, I'm taking you to Penny's." And so he changes the location. We go to Penny's. Shockingly, it's it's very similar to H and M. Same styles and and everything. Okay. Dirt cheap. I can't believe how cheap this place was. <laughs> I bought, let's see, pack of socks, pack of underwear, a hoodie, a windbreaker to go over that hoodie, a pair of shorts, and four t-shirts. So quite a bit of stuff here. Uh-huh. $50. Oh. All of that was 50 The t-shirts were $2.50. Like, wow. I couldn't believe how cheap this place was. So that was great. You know, we, we got a lot of stuff that way. Anyway, so we get to the point where we keep asking the hotel, like, hey, is, has bags been delivered? They're like, nope, nothing from the airport. So we're trying to figure out where is our stuff. Lindsay's stressing out, trying to, you know, call numbers, send emails, trying to figure out where our stuff is. I said, okay, just you stay here. You stay at the hotel. See what you can figure out. I'm going to hop on the tram and head back to the airport. So mm-hmm. I, I take a ride to the airport try to find someone and, and tell them like, Hey, we were told our bags are here. We were here to pick them up. There's no one there. The, hmm. the desk for Swiss port, which oversees those airlines that our, our bags were on. Mm-hmm. The desk is just literally a box. that says here, put in the form that says you lost everything. <laughs> and we'll, we'll figure it out. So there's hmm. no one to talk to. I eventually find this, this map that says, Hey, here's our luggage storage facility for all this overflow. Hmm. So it's down the road. I walk for like a half hour because I couldn't figure out where it was. Jeez. Finally get there, figure out, found out it closed four hours earlier. Oof. So uh, can't do anything. Walk back to the airport. Finally find some people to talk to. They're, you know, they're sympathetic. They're trying to help, but there's not a lot they could do. Hmm. <sighs> so uh, go back, take the tram back. The next day we were supposed to take our... Uh, uh, train to London. We push it back a few hours so that way we can take the train back to the airport and go to that storage facility. So we do that. We get there right when the facility opens. It is packed out with lost luggage. 
uh, they've got it pretty well organized, like rows and rows of it, to try to uh, you know get it shipped to where it needs to go. They're like, mm-hmm. yep, have at it, look around, try to find it. Um, we looked a long time and we found mine. Oh, miraculously, we found mine. We never found Lindsay's. It was not there. So wow, we still have no idea where hers is. Maybe one day it will show up on our porch, but wow. it seems to be just gone. Oh my gosh! So yeah, it was pretty stressful the whole time in Edinburgh, just frustrated trying to get our stuff back. Yeah, that's a mess. Well, I guess there's a somewhat happy ending. Right? <laughs> yeah, or, at least let's for look at me. It this way. The the adventure is still in progress. Let's put it like that. <laughs> oh, there you go. That was our trip. We saw some pretty things and lost our stuff. I'm glad that the stuff losing part was not the extent of your trip. Yeah. And at <laughs> least we didn't lose fun. things like we didn't lose my camera. We didn't lose our switches. That's good. And <laughs> the important stuff. Yeah. And Lindsay just, I mean, she lost the glasses she packed. She lost mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, like hair dryer and curler and whatnot. Replaceable, but still frustrating. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. Oh, and the insurance that we filed rejected our claim, so they won't pay us for it. Of course not. Like, oh, you didn't. I think we both got two conflicting emails about it. The one they sent Lindsay was that uh, she accidentally filed mine instead of hers, and, and vice versa. While the email I got said like, oh, you didn't upload the picture of the form in enough time, so screw you. <laughs> Uh, even if you would have done everything according to protocol they would have found an excuse not to do it anyway let's just be honest i'm I'm sure they're tired of paying people for all this luggage getting lost yeah it's really really bad Um, like it so yeah think that about summarizes it applause that's a great story oh thank you all right so that is it everyone uh a little bit of game talk, a lot of me complaining about baggage talk, and we are kind of back. Oh, Jake, I had a question. We always say, like, listeners. We call call our fans listeners. We need a better name, like unlockers or, unlockers. or what. What do you think? Uh, regionaires. <laughs> Ooh. I like that. Region- what is a regionaire? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's a word. It's just something it that came to mind. Nope. Not that Define I know of. Define regionaire. Un- nope. Nothing came up. So it's a the thing that we just made up. And that Re-lockers. is what you are. Regionaires. <laughs> Regionaires. Or is your choice. Relocker. It's like in Japan, how they take the first sound of the first word and the second sound, or the first sound of the second word and they put it together. Region unlocked. Relock. Relockers. No. Yes, but that's an actual verb and just sounds like you're, it sounds counterintuitive to the unlocking. <laughs> We're just going to relock it again. <laughs> that makes sense. We don't want to do All that. Right. We're going to unlock minds. Yeah. All right, Jake and Regionaires, let's get out of here. Thank you for listening to our half comeback. We'll be back by the end of August with the uh you know normal weekly episodes with good stuff to come heck yeah my name is cameron and stay cool san diego (laughs) (laughs) i just just watched anchorman on the flight (laughs) that's funny what's even oh stay classy i screwed that up stay classy regionaires